morning. Good morning. Good morning. I hope you had a, a restful weekend. And um, if you open your email, and it's something that we have to do every day, right? Uh, you know that you have these uh, two quizzes open, one until the 30th, the other is uh, until the 30th first, 31st, okay? And uh, today you have as well the first quiz of new rule. Okay? 15 questions, 15 minutes, it's open until 11.45 p.m. But 11.45, at 11.45 closes, okay? It's not like uh, you can go at 11.45 and take the quiz. Okay, it's gonna close at the end of the day. Um, and we have one more quiz to go in, in PD, that is the Neuro Quiz, that is already uploaded, but let's, uh, let's, you, let's wait for you to take these two, two quizzes. And the first quiz of Neuro, okay? The first quiz is about one, about polyneuropathies and headaches, okay? So, uh, a lot of things related to the nervous system, right? Neurology is, is, uh, is very, very, uh, how can I say, extended. It's, it's a lot to go over because every, let's say, every uh, malnutrition status or in children, for example, can influence in the normal maturation of the nervous system that is gonna go cephalocaudal, right? If this happened in a, if a, if a pregnant lady didn't take the folate during the pregnancy time, the neural tube cannot be closed. So we're gonna have a big problem. Uh, can you eat please? After, okay, thank you so much. I know you're so hungry. If you're so hungry, you can go, okay. I, you know, I don't have any problem with this. So guys, uh, yes, ne neurological um, examination is gonna, is, is huge, okay? We need to start by the top. The top is the, what? What is the? status of my patient, the mental status of my patient, right? Okay? And of course, in a non-aware patient, a patient that is uh, unable to be uh, aroused, arousable, okay, we need to check for or apply one of these uh, scale, one of these, because this, this is not the only one. The Glasgow Coma Scale is not the only coma scale you're gonna see in your life, okay? Mainly for the one that are gonna dedicate your life to, uh, you know, emergency uh, room. You know, all these cases with, uh, you know, non-arousable after a car crash or uh, another kind of accidents or a near drowning or <coughs> these kind of things, okay? 
okay? Intoxication um, with, for example, carbon monoxide or intoxication with drugs or, um, you know, all the patients, this, this kind of things. So uh, for that reason, we need to make sure that we are familiar with the function of the nervous system, this big computer you, we have on the neck, right? We have uh, the brain with the cerebrum. Cerebrum is in the cortex and is the, the last part of the, that evolved. In, in humans, right? The last part. So, the last part in evolving is gonna be the first part to go if we don't have enough, what? Oxygen or not enough glucose to feed the brain. Okay, it's the first one to go after deprivation of oxygen, intoxication, and all of these status. That's why it's so important to check in our patient Remember the general aspect of my patient, the appearance of my patient, together with the mental status. Okay, what is the mental status of my patient? Sometimes the level of consciousness of my patient. What is the Glasgow in a comatose, non-arousable patient? What is the Glasgow in a, an obtunded patient? If my patient is easily um, you know, awake, awaken or not, all of these things uh, we have in, in uh, you know, respect to the neurological exam. Um, the nervous system, remember that is a big integrator and is the responsible for commanding every single thing we do in life, okay? Eating, walking, talking, feeling, moving around, okay? The, the ability to learn new things, the ability to see what we are seeing and recognize what we are seeing. For example, in the occipital lobe, we have the primary cortex for visual sensation, right? But as, as well, we have an association area for the primary visu visual cortex. What is the name? The visual association area. So for every one of these areas, we're going to have an association area. When a person develops a lesion in the primary or in a, the association area, he's going to be able to lose the possibilities of perform depending where the lesion is, you know, what the, what the, the area is responsible for. If I tell you that a patient is having a lesion in the, in the visual association area, this patient is going to be unable to recognize what the patient sees, right? And it's going to be unable to associate what the patient is seeing, like an angle, or a movement, or a color. See how interesting is everything? 
as well if we talk about, for example, motor area, we know that we have a central sulcus because in the brain, the the brain we 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 have what in the cerebrum we have this formation, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lot in in a small place. So every area like this is going to be a sulcus and every area in this with this shape is going to be a gyrus okay so sulci and gyri in the case of central sulcus we have uh, let's see how this is gonna go. Okay. Mm -hmm. More or less. Remember, I'm not Professor Dan. Mm -hmm. And here a notch, a little notch, and the cerebellum, and uh, the brain stem there, right? So we have the frontal. I have some some slides. The frontal lobe, we have the temporal lobe, we have the parietal lobes, and we have the occipital lobe, right? And when we open a little bit this area, parietal, frontal, like this, in the center, we're going to find the insula. It's another lobe we're going to find over there. It is important to recognize these parts of the, of the brain because it's the only way we're going to know that in the, this is the central sulcus, right? Central sulcus, sulcus, so this is the, the primary motor area, okay? And of course, if we have a primary motor area, what is going to be this area? The motor associated area. Okay? And then we have in the pole central sulcus, okay, we're going to have what? The somato sensory cortex, the primary, primary somatosensory cortex. So, if we have a primary somatosensory cortex, what are we going to have over here? A sensory or somato, somatosensory uh -huh, association area. Make sense? Okay? Are we good? Okay. If we we have more things here, right? Uh, respect to the judgment, decision, learning, memory, math, a lot of things, right? A lot of things. So over here we're gonna have what? We're gonna have uh, a primary auditory cortex, and we have a primary auditory cortex, we're going to have what? 
Auditory Association Area. Auditory Association Area. We're going to have as well what? A primary, a primary, this is an auditory, a primary one. No, visual is over here. Primary olfactory cortex. And we're going to have what? As well? Ah, olfactory association area. Make sense? Let's go there. Now, a little bit deeper over there in the... We have more to go, but uh, grosso modo. A little bit deeper, we have the gustatory, gustatory cortex, and we have the association, uh, gustatory association area, gustatory bite for the taste, okay? A very important area in the frontal lobe, a little bit deeper, this is known as a what? Broca's area. Okay? Responsible for what? The speech production. The speech production. Okay? Then, in this, uh, we can say, in this, remember, deeper in the frontal lobe. In this area, around here, sort of, we have the Wernigis area. Wernigis is always, look, not always, is located generally in what? In your <coughs> dominant side. Even, there is interest, this is very interesting because Left hand eye people, left hand eye, uh, you know, they have the Wernicke's area in, in, the, in the right side. Interesting. I mean, it's not always in the dominant side. So, the Wernicke's area is responsible for what? Comprehension. Okay, language and reading comprehension. This is Wernicke's area. Okay, where the Wernicke's area is located. Uh, temporal and a little bit on the parietal loop. Okay, a little bit on the parietal loop. So, we talk about the insula over here, right? That we open and the insula is deeper in here. The insula is going to be responsible what for? It's so important. The visceral sensation, for example. Okay? Um, in, the, in the occipital loop, we have the primary visual cortex. And over here we have what, guys? The visual association area. What the association area's function is? 
recognizing and identify things. Okay? Recognizing and identify things. Somatosensory. For example, somatosensory cortex. What we receive over there. If we are standing with the open eyes, our proprioceptors are telling us that we are standing, right? But we have the eyes open, and in the eyes we have proprioceptors of 12. So we are good. In the case we cannot transmit with the proprioceptors we have in the, in the tendons, muscles, skin, in every, every place. So if we close the eye and go to the floor, that means my posterior cord is not telling my somatosensory area that I'm standing. Understand? I don't have any, that's why association. You associate that you're standing, even you close your eyes, this position is associated, you recognize that you are standing. If you're smelling something, uh, you're gonna be able using the association, the olfactory association area. You're going to be able to use this area to say, oh, this smell, this sensation, this scent, uh, I feel, is channel number four, or a fart, <laughs> or a food, or, you know, you're able, you're gonna be able to recognize what you're feeling. Would also work on this is a volatile reaction. You react or not. You react or not. You know that uh, one smell is pleasant and the other smell is not so pleasant. But there is a moment when you cannot move and say anything. So you're going to control the impulses. This is what differentiate, in general, mankind from the rest of the animal. Okay, we, we can control um, a behavior that is in the frontal lobe, behavior. So when we have affections in the frontal lobe, we can have, depending where a lesion is, we can have a problem with learning, a learning disability, or we can have a problem with judging, okay? Or we can have a problem with math, in my case. Or we can have a problem with attention, in my case. You know, the motor is huge. And remember, we have right and left, you know, hemisphere. And the two hemispheres of the brain are connected by this beautiful structure full of axons that is known as a corpus callosum. Some people just born without corpus callosum. So what you're doing with your right hemisphere, the left doesn't know what you're doing, right? So you need to educate, you need to train these, uh, these people to establish new uh, synapses and, you know, start 
combining and uh, educating this. So, look at this. Subconscious and involuntary body function. What is this? Autonomic yes. nervous system. Okay? I'm talking about the one. The heartbeat. I'm talking about the blood pressure. Okay? Breathing. Because when you're, when you're sleeping, you don't know. Swallowing. The intestinal peristalsis. Okay? Peristalsis of the, um, let's say, um, even this little one, uh, fallopian tube, peristalsis in the, in the liter, vas uh, deferens, peristalsis of all of these, right? This is me mediated by the autonomic nervous system. So if we don't have a head, we cannot live, right? It's, I mean, if you want to diminish the ICP, cut the head, no. Okay, so um, remember the division, I, I know I don't go again, I don't need to go again, but central nervous system is the uh, brain and, oh, we have the cerebellum that is so important, right guys? Cerebellum. And inside, we're going to talk about this a little bit, thalamus, the hypothalamus, right? This is, uh, and we have epithalamus, we have more structures that makes what part? The diencephalon, right? And we have the midbrain, the pons, and the medulla oblongata that conform what? The brainstem from where the majority of the cranial nerve has their nuclei, right? And from there, we're gonna, as well, command, for example, the breathing, the heart rate, right? Mm. Very important. So, if you have in mind to determine from where the lesion is, you would need to know that, for example, in the case of vertigo, this sensation that a room is spinning or you're spinning in the room, right? You would need to determine what is the origin of this vertigo. And uh, sometimes they overlap, right, the causes, but the central vertigo, central vertigo, the organic vertigo, the one that is originated because this person is having a lesion at the level of the brain stem is different than the vertigo that is produced by some, what, autolytes that just got loose, okay, in the posterior semicircular canal. So this person, every time move the head to the left, is gonna suffer from vertigo. And the subsequent what? Subsequent what? Nystagmus. Okay? It's accompanied by vomiting sometimes. Sometimes, yes, it's so bad. But some, some other time, when you check this patient, and is complaining of vertigo, this, pa this patient as well is a taxi. 
this patient as well is having problem in the articulation of the words. That means it's dysarthria, right? It's having dysarthria. This is not aphasia. Aphasia is going to be broken or weniges, okay? But dysphasia is from here, from the brainstem. Okay? Dysarthria is from the brainstem. Something is happening in the brainstem. Ataxia, dysarthria, and vertigo, together with the rolling nystagmus. That is different from the nystagmus you, you're going to see in a patient with a benign positional paroxysmal vertigo. Something that we need to repair, and we're going to learn how to do this in the lab. Okay? So, uh, remember all the, what we control, you know, the distribution of gray matter, white matter, I don't need to go over this. And this is a little bit more. Remember the insula, the gustation cortex, in the insula a little bit inside there, and the visceral. And together with this, we have another function for the insula. That is the dynamic equilibrium. Remember the static, the one that, that, that is telling our body through the labyrinth system or through the, the semicircular canals where my head is in the space. If it's my head in any space. Okay? And we have the static, just having my, but we have the dynamic one, right? Here you go. It's in the insula as well. So guys, um, uh, the basal ganglia, remember basal ganglia are what? Concentrations of neuron bodies, neuron soma, and the adentrites, right? So uh, they are responsible for many functions in the body, okay? From there, for example, if we have the caudate nucleus affected Okay, at the level of the corpus triarum, you can see this in uh, Huntington's disease. Hmm? Huntington's disease. Look at the thalamus over here. Okay, the globus pallidus and the putamen, the subthalamic nucleus. Some. I mean, considered by some people not part of the basal nuclei, but they are part of the basal nuclei. And we have the substantia nigra here that is responsible. They possess what? Dopaminergic neurons. Okay? And they produce dopamine. Uh, we have a problem when we don't have enough dopamine. That means we cannot inhibit the normal tendency of the skeletal muscle to contract. If we cannot inhibit this, what is going to happen? Spasticity happen. I mean, mainly, more than spasticity, 
spasticity, we're going to talk about this later. More than spasticity, the proper word is using in here is rigidity. Rigidity. Okay? Because spasticity, uh, we're going to talk about this later. The rigidity you can see in patients that suffer from Parkinson's disease and Parkinsonism. Why? Because not enough dopamine, not enough dopamine to just inhibit, produce the inhibition of this normal tendency of the skeletal muscle to contract. Okay? If these muscles are rigid, how come you're going to order the muscle to move? It's very, very complicated. Okay? So, uh, it's one of the things that is important. That's why in Parkinson's patient, we need to use one medications that permit the patient to initiate properly a movement. And they are essentially having a lot of problem in initiating a, a movement, right? Standing or start walking. Okay? This is uh, interesting in, in Parkinson's patients. That's why we need to use this medication that are precursors of dopamine that makes this little tiny amount of neurons, squeeze them to produce some do dopamine. Other medication that stop dopamine from, be from being, uh, you know, uh, break down. Uh, all the medication that permits the dopamine more time in the circulation. Carbidopa is one of those, for example, because levodopa is going to be, uh, it's going to disappear and gives you this uh, uh, effect, right? Okay, so this situation with the basal ganglia, whatever situation we're going to have, it's going to lead to movement disorders. In the case of these kinesians, this movement that, I mean, is not a proper one, uh, by volition, you want to move your arm normally or so. If you have a lesion in one of these, your movements are not going to be so, you know, exact or uh, so coordinated, right? Um, for example, dystonias, dystonias that could be uh, increased tone or hypotonic muscles, right? Parkinsonism, Huntington's disease, Huntington's is going to have a chorea, we're going to go there. Chorea in Greek means uh, dancing. Chorea? It's not Korea? That sounds like Korea, but no. Okay. So, they say that. Which? Oh, you know, yeah, in English it's Korea. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> okay, dancing, right? These people. Uh, 
um, or behavior control, like in the case of Tourette disorder. We'll go uh, and study this in a, in a while. In, in the case of Tourette disorder, uh, this is mainly diagnosed in the pediatric population. And uh, you will have patients like this in your consultation. And uh, we're going to study the, the syndrome. We're going to study the syndrome in neurology. But it's one of the mental status you're going to see in your consultation. How the little one uh, is, uh, is standing, is having a tick that can no control. It's a constant tick that can no control. Right? It's using a word, a word, word, word that can no control or bad words or, you know, that cannot be controlled. But anyways, everything that happens in, in the, at the level of the, the basal nuclei is quite interesting, okay? So, in the case of the brainstem, the midbrain, right? The pons over here and the medulla, the midbrain is gonna relay one, audio, and, and uh, visual information as well, and, and the eye movement, right? And the eye movement. In the frontal lobe, we have an area that is a specific area. It's a motor area, a specific area for eye movement with the association area for the eye movement as well. Interesting, right? So, um, the cerebrum, remember, is going to control everything. We have as well the medulla oblongata that regulates uh, together with the pons, the heart rate, and breathing, and swallowing, and coughing, uh, all of these. The, the thalamus is the beautiful place from where we're going to send information all sensory information is going to be relayed from that place, from the thalamus, okay? Not olfaction. Olfaction is going to be analyzed in the um, insula, right? Uh, sorry, in the, in the temporal loop, okay? So uh, the hypothalamus, the hypothalamus is the one uh, control, you know, uh, homeostasis and control the activities or the secretion that releasing release the hormones to control the the pituitary gland. You know all of this. I'm not gonna go over there. But on top of this, at the level of the um, of the hypothalamus, we have a thermostat, right? Huh? That is gonna be uh, activated. Uh, when we have a bacterial infection, and here we go, secretion of prostaglandin is going to switch on this uh, um, thermostat, permitting us to have fever, okay, and so on. And as well, we have at the level of the thalamus one, together with some hormones secreted by the pineal gland, the circadian cycle. Right? When is the day? When is day? When is night? What to do during the day? What to do during the the, the night? There is some diseases, okay, 
in senior citizens, for example, uh, when the song, the song Downing is the name, song Downing, that they have a kind of cognitive impairment, but in the afternoon when the sun is not there anymore, the situation, the cognitive impairment, dementia, you know, is gonna be worse. It's getting worse at that time. That's why they do a lot of things with the lights and, you know. Anyways. Uh, a reticular activated system is so important, the reticular activated system, okay? Sending all of the radiations to cerebral cortex, okay? From the thalamus. It's so important. I mean, uh, this uh, reticular activated system and uh, send the information and keeping the possibilities to be aroused, right? So, uh, spinothalamic tract, those are the tract. Is that, do they disactivate that when you're in a coma, when you're in induced coma? Yeah, uh, it's, induced coma is, is uh, normally performed to protect the, the brain, okay? Induced coma is to protect the brain when you have uh, an intracranial pressure, elevated intracranial pressure, uh, edema, because this kind of uh, lesions that happens in the, for example, after a motor vehicle accident with acceleration, deceleration, not only damage of the, of the neck, okay, not, not only damage of the neck, but the reticular activated system is gonna be damaged as well, okay? And there is a syndrome in the, in the babies that is known as a shaking syndrome. I don't know if you yes. heard about this. The parents that they are extenuated because they don't want to hear them crying anymore and they are tired. They shaking them. Remember, it's very immature. And they're gonna separate all the blood vessels and everything from the brain and they die. Oh, okay. So, <clears throat> sensory pathway, a spinothalamic tract, uh, laterally here, you see, and we have the posterior column. The fine touch, the vibration, the proprioception, okay? And on the lateral, we have what? We're gonna have the temperature, right? Recognition of temperature, uh, the crutage, we're gonna uh, transmit pain as well. Uh, the slow pain, the fast pain, all of this is transmitted over here. We have more, guys, but we don't go uh, too much there, okay? So remember, the spinothalamic tract arises in all of these corpuscles, okay? That senses the pain, the temperature, uh, the growth, uh, and then uh, the posterior one is is transmitting all of this thing. 
Okay. Corticospinal. Upper motor neuron. One of those. Upper motor neuron, the one that is located in the association area. And in the cortex, in the cortical areas for all the functions. Okay? This is the upper motor neuron. Lower motor neuron, anterior horn to the skeletal muscle. Make sense? That's it. So, the upper motor neuron is going to, the action is going to leave, it's going to send actions, okay, that travel through the internal capsule and continue to the medulla. Okay, the cusades at the level of the pyramids, the cusades at the level of the pyramids, and descend through the contralateral white matter and synapses into the anterior horn where the motor neuron is located. And from this anterior horn, we're going to send the axons to innervate one the muscles, the skeletal muscle. Okay, are we good with this? Yes. It's simple, okay? So, uh, open motor neuron lesion, a patient that is spastic. I, I explained you a little bit the other day why. Okay, it's spastic. Hyperreflexia, is having hyperreflexia. It is losing, um, Muscle mass, but not so much, just 20% of the muscle mass. Because the stimulation of this part of the acetylcholine that promotes in the DNA the, the synthesis of protein for muscle continue working. Understand? In the open motor neuron lesions, we're going to have Babinski positive for you to know for now, is, 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 the, is the one that we're going to have what else positive, pronator, drift, for example, here you go. We're going to have what else? Babinski, I told you that. And there is another test that you do that is the, the knife class. You try to extend the arm of the patient that is spastic, there is a moment when just go, and then go back, okay? This is one of, of the tests you, you can try with this. So, um, the reflexes are gonna be hyper, is uh, plus four, okay? It's gonna be, uh, bless you, is a uh, hyper reflexia, okay? And, of course, you're going to find one, clonus, ancoclonus. <coughs> ancoclonus is the reaffirmation of this hyperreflexia when we have an upper motor neuron uh, lesion. Okay? So, we have as well, um, in the lower motor neuron, what do we have? What is the... the, the the, pre, the patient presents with. It's going to present with loosening of atrophy, you know, of the muscle. Loosening what? Around 70 to 80 percent of the muscle mass, okay, is going to be hypo, 
reflexive or a-reflexive, okay? And of course, we can have fasciculation that you can see with the naked eye, fasciculation and fibrillation when you go and do a neuromuscular, uh, you know, examination in the case of electrophysiological examination, okay? An electromyography. So, what else we have? The tone, I forgot about the tone. The tone, uh, weakness, we have in both of them, okay? We have weakness in both of them. The tone is gonna be increased in the case of the upper motor neuron lesion and decrease in the lower motor neuron lesion, okay? And, uh, There is uh, a lot of, you know, diseases that can, can give this situation, but there is one that is, is known as a, the motor, motor neuron disease that affects the upper motor neuron and the lower motor neuron, and you're gonna find, you know, both symptoms and signs when you check the patient. This is known as a amyotrophy lateral sclerosis or Lou Gehrig disease. And I don't know too much about baseball. So, in damage below the crossover, the motor impairment is gonna be ipsilateral. Ipsilateral means the same side, okay? For example, a patient that has, uh, let's say, a lower motor neuron damage, I mean, the, uh, let's say, L3, L3 damage of the spine um, in the anterior horn. That mainly happens because polio, remember we talked about this in the lecture, polio or uh, West Nile disease, for example, is gonna develop the same side damage from this level to the same side, okay? What happened upperly is gonna go to the contralateral side, okay? Are we good with this? Remember the, this corticospinal corticobulba. Corticobulba is very important because is from the cortex to the nuclei in the brainstem, right? And of course, uh, this is gonna is gonna uh, go to the the bulb, innervates or send messages to the cranial nerves, as well to the rest of the functions. You know, and what happened is the in the case of upper motor neuron, the muscle that increase the tone uh, and do all of these things that we do after the decusation, the damage is gonna be contralateral. Okay, are we good with this? That's it.
okay? In the case of central damage and producing this uh, palsy, central palsy, organic palsy of the nuclei of the uh, cranial nerves, guys, this is known as a pseudo-bulbar palsy or bulbar palsy. Depends if this happened uh, in certain degree, okay? So, all of this you know about the cranial nerves again and again and again, okay? Um, have in mind this for the cavernous sinus and the location of the cranial nerves because in the case of uh, this affection of the cavernous sinus, we are going to, uh, you know, show damages produced by the compression of the cranial nerve that passes through the cavernous sinus, okay? And we have many. We have the abducens, the, the ma ma maxillary branch of the facial nerve, and we have the, many of them, the optomic um, branches, and, and we have the trochlear nerve, and we have many of them. And of course, whatever happened at the level of the cavernous sinus can alter the normal functioning of the cranial uh, nerves, okay? And this is about the spinal cord and the segments. And remember, C1 is gonna rise between the occipital condyle and the C1 vertebrae, this is atlas, and the subsequent roots from the subsequent roots from the, the cervical spine is gonna they're gonna arise superiorly and the rest of the the spinal nerve they arise inferiorly to the vertebrae. That's why the lesions are gonna be at the level of below when we have a damage. Okay? So take ten minutes. anatomy of the brain and what they do as well as the spinal cord is very important, okay? We have some uh, differences when we assess different kind of population, right? Uh, in the case of infants and children and uh, pregnant women, I'm not going to go straight ahead to this because guys, uh, we talk about this in pediatrics. And we know about the primitive reflexes and when they present and when they need to go away. So I'm not going to go over this. It is very important to watch the nutrition for the, the wellness of this infant, right? So 
in the case of pregnant women, we have a lot of alteration because at the level of this axis, that is the hypothalamic pituitary uh, axis, you know, and the immune system, both are like crazy, right? So we can see headaches, bad distribution of fluids, bad management of fluids, uh, you know, because this amount of fluids, uh, we have carpet tunnel, for example, or other mononeuropathy that can appear in this uh, uh, pregnant woman. Uh, that is going to resume or recede when the person delivers the, the product, okay? So um, they don't feel rested even after sleeping. The, uh, some of them develop uh, insomnia, you know, a restless leg uh, as well syndrome. They're going to be developed by, by them. So... A lot of things can happen uh, to the pregnant uh, women. In older adults, we study this as well. We know that the nerve impulse conduction declines. They have slow uh, response uh, time. They have diminishing perception of the pain. In some of them, you can see polyneuropathies, uh, the knowledge is not the same, you know. The possibilities to learn new things decline. A lot of things, you know. Common concerning symptoms of the uh, neurosystem. Headaches, number one, the fifth cause of visiting offices and ER and every place, okay? Fifth cause, okay? So dizziness of vertigo. Dizziness is a term that is variable and complicated because it's, it's confused with a lot of things, but you can lead the patient in your interview to obtain more much information about if it's a vertigo or a dizziness, okay? Weakness, that could be a generalized weakness, distal weakness, mixed weakness, or, dis or, or proximate the weakness, okay? Numbness, abnormal, uh, or absent sensation, okay? The sensory, um, the sensory sensation is gonna be altered. Uh, some cases, dysesthesias can appear, or paresthesias, or, you know, allodynia in the case of polyneuropathies, and so on, okay? near syncope and syncope. They complain of fainting or blacking out without fainting, you know? And we need to think about autonomic, you know, alterations or maybe tumors or... And I want to add something over here that is not here, that is alteration of the sleep, okay? alteration of the sleep or sleep symptoms, okay? Sleep symptoms. We have uh, this uh, term that is known as a narcolepsia. I don't know if you heard about this. Okay, narcoleptic, 
person, they, they don't sleep at night. They have uh, a big problem trying to conceal the, the, and go to sleep, fall asleep. And during the day, they can, you know, just disappear in the middle of a meeting or in the middle of a lecture. And uh, yes, and they're sleeping and cannot be arousable. There is more, guys. There is more. There is another alteration that is the, the paralysis, the sleep paralysis that happened. This is a very curious thing. Is the person that before go to sleep or after waking up cannot talk, cannot move, cannot do anything. What's that? Okay. This is another thing that is the... Uh, sleep paralysis. Interesting. Anyways, tremors or involuntary movement and seizures. Seizures. All of this. Tremor, involuntary movement and seizures. Those are very interesting because they can have a what? An inheritance. They can have a genetic condition that can be inherited by the, the offsprings, okay? This is a very important one. So, headaches, we know. We need to check about the, you know, all charts. Okay, when they start, where is the headache? If you can point with your finger or if you can touch your head where the pain is, what type of pain, the duration of the pain, what type of pain, and I'm not gonna go over this. The throbbing are involved in vascular events. The sharp and dull are involved in what? Sharp and dull? Trigeminal, neuralgia, burning sensation, tingling, or electric shock. Right. Okay, are we good? Okay, throbbing, migraine, for example, pulsatile, okay, pulsatile in the case of migraine. Boring, boring. This person that wake up in the middle of the night with a headache, and when you ask to grab something, has a motor focal problem, okay? Cannot hold things or easily things escape from their hands. And together with this, sometimes, or when you see this kind of patient in, in the ER, they arrive and the vomiting is in projectile, like, so, we need to think about what? Uh, occup brain occupying lesion, a tumor. Okay? Changes in personality. Changing personality. Changing habits. Changing a lot of things. Okay? Fever. Worst headache of my life. Fever with rigidity in the neck. Meningeal signs. 
okay, rigidity in the neck. Or is a person that is having, is studying all day long for the, uh, for the neurology patho and neurology medicine, and neurology PD and neurology everything, and is having a pain in the knee. This is a muscle contraction headache. Easy as that. Okay, so all of this we need to have in, in mind. Or a person that is having a, an interesting, you know, musculoskeletal disease, or a bone disease, bless you, okay? All of these things. Okay. Associated by the character, we talk about this, the associated manifestation, any vomiting, okay, what type of vomit? I mean, the vomiting appears before the headache is just go or with the headache because it's totally different. In the case of migraine, you start with, the, if you have a migraine with aura, I don't know, uh, oh, okay. Migraine with aura. So you have the aura, you start with the symptoms, the pain, and then you have the vomiting, anousia, you know, the photophobia, phonophobia, all of these things. So alleviating, aggravating how your headaches is alleviated. Listen this. Do you, I mean, you tell me that you, you was waking up by the headache. And when you see it, when you change from the, you know, the laying down position and sitting, any changes with the headache? Oh, I feel a little bit of alleviation of this headache. I'm talking about one. The intracranial pressure is elevated, right? Here you go. It's very important to ask about this. Okay? Any changes uh, uh, or the headache is going to be worse when you're lifting a weight, okay? Or when you're doing any, anything that requires certain strength, but salva. What happens when you're sneezing? What happens when you're coughing? Okay? Why? Because the venous drainage in the case of tumors is going to be compromised. The venous drainage in the, of the brain is going to be compromised, depending where the tumor is. Okay? Uh, alleviating. Oh, do you need to move constantly when you have the headache? Constantly? You cannot, if you have a rocking chair, you need to move. Huh? And you're a smoker, and you are a drinker, and you're a male. This is what? What type of headache? Cluster headache. Or you need to lay down and stay still, and no music, and no bad smells, or good smells, or any smell, and you cannot, you know, hear any noise. Migraine headache. Or your tense are driving you crazy. <laughs> and your neck is tense. 
okay? And you don't have any vomiting, a little bit of phonophobia maybe. I cannot stand the voice of Professor Santos. Here you go. Yeah, you know. So I need to go to the classroom with the, with the, you know, the sunglasses, but I go to the classroom like Sarah Kelly that came with migraine. And she had a bad one, a very bad one. And she came with <laughs> the migraine to the lectures with this, uh, you know, you know Sarah Kelly, you had, of course, you had some, um, you know, in the first, in the, in the fall semester, you had um, Oskis with her. She's a PA, Irish, no? Okay. Anyway, she works in, in a Baptist hospital in, uh, you know, oncology, hematology. Okay? So, <laughs> temporal part, radiation, radiates to any place? Yes. I cannot bend my neck. And associated manifestation, I have been vomiting cannot stand the, the light, and I have fever. Oh, by the way, I have a rash in my legs. Something happened, the same happened to one of my uh, classmates. Okay? Meningococcus, meningitis. Bless you, bless you. Thank you. Okay? Anyways. <laughs> Temporal pattern, like in the cluster, every spring, every summer, one to eight attacks a week or more, or maybe four days in a row without stopping, you know? Or I wake, this headache is waking me up every 4 a.m. Severity, disabled. How this pain could be disabled, or was the was the worst headache of my life, and I faint, or I went to the floor because I uh, I don't know I was playing racquetball, and I hit my head with one of the wall, and was okay, and this happened two three days ago, but now. I faint. Okay? What is this? Huh? What do you think? Subdura hematoma. Right? Subdura. Happens more in, in seniors and so on. Because epidural, this is different. Okay? I'm talking about the bridging, bridging veins, hematoma, in the case of subdura hematoma. Right? In the case of epidural hematoma, this is what? Middle meningeal artery is involved in that. Okay? Good. Mm -hmm. Oh, any medication, any medication. Um, I have a person at home that is taking morphine for cancer pain. 
and I took uh, morphine. But my headache is worse. Okay, you need to educate your patient and do a lot of things in this case. Okay, um, I mean the pound mnemonics for the migraine headache. Okay, the aura that we need to recognize. Okay, we we need to recognize the aura as well. We're gonna um, tell your patient, for example, during the during the interview, anything happens to you before this pain? Has anyone in your family had this pain? Migraine that has this uh, genetic, you know, condition, okay? Interesting. Or where your pain is? Uh, is in my temple, I cannot see very well from my eye. Even I lost the vision from one eye. And I have something over here in my, in my temple. Medications that you take for this normally, since when was the last crisis you had? Okay. Some cases, guys, like the, this uh, tension headache, the band-like and tight band-like and all of this headache, sometimes this headache lasts longer. And you're fighting with this headache for a long time during your PA school. And every morning, or not every morning, but every day when you finish a school, you feel your nuchal muscles very tense and Headache, just headache, okay? So, any stress at home, any situation, new situation at home, any new food, diet is essential. Asking for diet and so, okay? So, uh, vertigo, spinning sensation, and this spinning sensation is accompanied with nystagmus, and in the case of central vertigo, ataxia. Okay, ataxia. Presyncope and blacking out sometimes. You need to know if your patient is diabetic. Okay, of course. Or if your patient is having another condition in the heart, like heart room, right? Don't forget your cardiovascular or a bradyarrhythmia. Or your patient can have a Bruguera syndrome, right? Near syncope or syncope without chest pain, no chest pain. Huh. And you're the first diagnosing this. You're saving a life. You're saving a life for sure. What is the treatment for that? Bruguera syndrome. Place what? Placemaker with what? The fibrillator. Okay? Don't forget your cardiovascular. You're gonna have your pants in a while. You need to think in this way, guys. <laughs> okay? The disequilibrium. I cannot, you know, 
imbalance when walking. This could be polyneuropathic. This could be because the ear, Meniere disease, uh, schwannoma in the cranial nerve number eight, for example, or a pedaline fistula or whatever in the ear, and this is peripheral. Oh, a tumor in the posterior fossa. This is a very bad thing. And together with this disequilibrium or ataxia, we're going to have what? Dysartria, and we're going to have vomiting. Hmm? And um, psychiatric, vertigo, multifactorial, you know, like in the case of uh, history crisis or conversion crisis and so on. Okay, so uh, weakness. How is, how you explain your weakness? When this happens, when you're climbing the, the, the stairs or when you try to open a jar, okay? Or when you try to comb your hair, it's only in one side of the body, it's in the other side. Happens after you do something. I, I have a big problem. I feel weak in my right hip, and I have a pain in the back of my leg, and in the lateral part of my the, my thigh, and in the lateral part of my leg. And my my hip is not the same. Okay. So we need to think about radiculopathies as well. Okay, that can give you the first sign, the first sign for an affection that is modern. The first one is weakness. Okay, it's the first sign we're going to have for this, this uh, damage of the modern part. So uh, if it's symmetric, symmetric at the same time, or symmetric one start after the other, or now are the both at the same in the same way you cannot climb the stairs at all okay monoparesis of the face loss of this uh, uh, motor strength in the face or motor strength in your larynx or your pharynx for deglutition or talking, for example, I'm talking about one, pseudobulba palsy or a tumor in the posterior fossa from where we have glossopharyngeal nerve, hypoglossus, vagus nerve, okay? We need to check the speech of our patient, remember, okay? Problem with uh, B12 that lead to a myelopathy. Uh, that some cases they can, they have a point of no return. But you need to place your patient on treatment and all of this, right? So chronic illnesses, any chronic illnesses, HIV, anemia, uh, any, um, you know, vitamin one, vitamin Six, vitamin 12, B12 uh, deficiencies, 
anemia, what type of anemia, you know. After what, do you have any surgery? Like a gastric bypass, after the surgery you have, and it's one thing leading to the next. And you can have a case that is a gastric by bypass and now it's a myel myelopathy because deficit of vitamin B12. I mean, it's a lot, okay? Medications like the antiretroviral medication that I use in the, in the case of HIV positive patient. And it's very important because, oh, you're gonna study this with Professor uh, Hernandez. Uh, you're gonna love it. And uh, you're gonna see that the, the lip, lipodystrophy in the face of this patient taking HIV antiretroviral medication. Giving you what? Weakness, weakness. Okay, Dapsone, what is this? For D6PD deficiency. For D6PD deficiency. Dapsone. Oh, we check, we check. Okay. Dapsone. And it's used well. Um, oh, it's okay. We're gonna do leprosy. Okay, in the case of leprosy, this was the answer I was looking for. Yes, Dapsone. It's a medication that you use in leprosy. And leprosy, we know that produce one. At the very beginning, mononeuropathy, and then, you know. Okay, so all of this nucleoside, analog, reverse transcriptase inhibitor that is, they are used for HIV. You need to have this in mind. So ask the patient about medication. Loss of sensation, paresthesia, dysesthesia, with distorted sensation, you know, pins and needles, distribution of this, uh, loss of sensation in stocking and glove, distribution in the case of uremic, in the case of diabetic patient, okay? Uh, light touch. Irritating sensation, this is allodynia. Remember, remember this? Sensory loss pattern, patchy, like in the case of leprosy, stocking, glove, distribution in this kind of patient. Where is that? Where is that? Okay. Transient loss of consciousness, the syncope or fainting. So, what happened? Don't confuse, guys, seizures with syncope. They are totally different, okay? We have similar events, and you, you want to, you, you want your patient telling you what is happening at this time when you feel you're fainting, right? If you see like is like uh, blacking out or and you don't faint or you faint faint that you go to the floor and hit your head or something like this because we need to have this in mind as well, right? 
So, or maybe, and you bite your tongue, why not, with the syncope? And you peer yourself, could happen with the syncope, right? Could happen. Uh, you have some uh, a weird movement, maybe, with syncope can happen, right? Can happen with syncope. Oh, but when you recover from this, you know, losing of consciousness, you know yourself, you need more than a one hour, maybe one day to recover after that. You were having some jerking movement or something like this. Ah. And you bite your tongue and you pin yourself and this and that. Seizures is different. So what differentiates uh, a vasovagal syncope from, from a seizure is precisely what? Post-ictal syndrome. Post-ictal syndrome. This patient needs time to recover. Okay? It's not like syncope that you go down fast and you recover fast. Why is that? Because the blood is going to go again to perfuse your brain. There is a lot of causes. Even having a very sensitive vasovagal, um, sorry, <laughs> uh, having a um, carotid sinus very, you know, very sensitive during shaving, or people that go to a bathroom and pee, they can have, a, or they can, they can faint. They are very sensitive. Okay, just touching the area, uh, mainly male when they shave, they can faint. Okay, syncope because orthostatic hypotension or a mechanic problem with the heart. No good, a valvular damage of the heart or a bradyarrhythmia, Bruguera syndrome. Here you go. No good at all, huh? So, uh, how this happened? Prodrome of nausea, diaphoresis. I used to use the reaction of some students when we went to the morgue. Yeah, and I was telling them, hey, if you feel you're sweating too much, if you feel like uh, things are not so light, and <laughs> you know, uh, the light is not so clear, let me know. I'm going to take care of you. So, yeah, because this is near syncope. And it's what? Or people that cannot see, cannot see bleeding or blood or something like this. Okay, it's a vasovagal reaction. I never see um, a corpse in my life, and I'm very, you know, uh, I'm very nervous. Many of them, the majority of the students, they don't have any problem with that. But some others are more sensitive, and it's normal because it's human nature. You're going to work with alive people, not dead. Anyways, but it's good to see the anatomy and all of this. We haven't had the possibility to go. So guys, um, uh, some event that, oh, you won the lotto. 
<laughs> okay? And you don't need to take your pants anymore. Okay. Um, we need to we need to make sure that we know that in the case this one is not proper over here is fast the press syncope press syncope is slow and you recover fast okay syncope is fast and you recover fast okay seizure mm -mm. Even the even the the petite mom, okay. So um, we have here. Uh, what is seizures? Seizures are abnormal involuntary contraction of the muscle uh, convulsion. Sorry that are um, produced or, or precipitated by a seizure. And what a seizure is, is an uncontrolled electric activity in a group of neurons, okay? That could be localized in one side uh, in the brain and then spread it over, generalize, and generalize seizures. The person is gonna lose the consciousness or could be localized, like in the Jacksonian uh, seizures, or, or could be generalized, like in the case of absence seizures, this one that you use etosuximide in your pharmacology. Okay, here you go. So, when we talk to this patient, we need to know when they start. Oh no, started when I, I just turned 80 years old. It's a, you know, older adult epilepsy. Or started, if, if at home everybody has it. Okay, epilepsy. Sequence of events, do you have any aura? Do you feel any bad smell? Any numbness? You see any light, any words? You hear some some voices in your, I mean, aura. And remember, the convulsion could be tonic, could be clonic, and tonic-clonic. We're going to study this. Okay? So convulsion is the abnormal tonic or clonic or tonic-clonic generalized movement in your body, and you can have a seizure, but this seizure not necessarily needs to be translated in a convulsion. So we need to know the difference between seizure, that is an abnormal, you know, electric activity. I know, guys, that everybody calls seizure when you're seizing, you are, you know, in the floor and tonic-clonic things, and so, and you're gonna see all the time they, the word used for that is seizure, but you need to know the difference, okay? So, uh, the muscle tone that the patient is gonna have at the end, the post-ictal behavior, if it's automatism or just numbness, 
or need to sleep a lot, relationship of the seizures to other events, like it, you know, OD, for example, or alcohol, or other, you know, substances, the frequency of seizures and the medication you're taking. This is very important, education of the patient. Epilepsy, what is this? Epilepsy generate what? Epileptic seizures and uh, could be uh, on the control or not very well controlled and is going to have a lot of, you know, consequences in the, in the psyches of this patient, the family, and the, you know, the way the person is accepted as a non-epileptic. That's why people, they, uh, some of the people, they, they hide their condition. Okay, so tremors are involuntary movement. We need to know when they start. No, I started when I was 72, or started when I was 55, or starting, they started when I, um, I just turned 40. Hunting tongues. I mean, you know, and hunting tongues is, is terrible because autosomal dominant. It's an autosomal dominant disease. And if you don't get it as leader, you're gonna get it when when you're 40. If you, you know, inherit the the slow or the the better part. Okay. So yes, what type of movement you have? Is this alteration of your movement? You notice that is when you try to grab your nose or when you're trying to grab something and at the time you are approaching to the object, you have this movement that is a, known as an intention tremor. And this is cerebellar, for cerebellar condition. Intention tremor. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're rolling pills. This is one. Resting tremor in the case of Parkinson's, right? Is bilateral or is just in one side of your body? This movement is slow or this movement is very violent, like in the case of amibalism, okay? or dialocosinesia, okay? Or happen in the head, or maybe this, this tremor accompany yourself all your life. Everybody at home, my dad has, not mine, but you know, my dad has the same. And uh, one of the, the things they say, my dad is alcoholic because by drinking, this movement disappeared. 
And he loved to be, um, I don't know, uh, a clock repairer or wh whatever, these fine activities, they cannot do it, right? Because they are checking all the time, okay? So this is a kind of familiar, familiar tremor, right? Okay, interference with daily activities. Parkinson's and rigidity of the practice of the co-wheel of the Parkinson's. Okay, the micrographia of Parkinson's. Okay, the poker face of Parkinson's. Essentially, Korea in Huntington's, this bilateral movement that is disability lead to uh, dementia and social, but social, social behavior is, is, is terrible, okay? Um, associated problems, maybe you have a hyperthyroidism and that's why you have this tremor or a kidney disorder, or alcohol, or multiple sclerosis, remitting relapsing, or the other type, or maybe this tremor is relieving when what? Drinking alcohol or resting. And when you're doing things, you don't have any tremor, like Parkinson's, no rigidity by climbing stairs, or you know, doing things at the very beginning, later things are complicated. And medications, are you taking this type of medication that can give you tremor? Okay, all of these you got ephedrine, ephedrine, antiarrhythmic, corticosteroids, all of these medications can give the patient tremor. Okay, we talk about this, we talk about the postural one, postural one, Essentially, by stretching the arm back, okay, this one, the head, sometimes you're talking to this person and the person is talking like this and you feel like the voice is vibrating as well, okay, intention tremors, cerebellum pathway, multiple sclerosis, alcoholism, Okay, cerebellum. Ticks, you control the ticks. Okay, you can control the ticks with, you know, training. But ticks are controlled, you, you can control them. But Tourette disorder is another thing. In Tourette disorder, we don't have only ticks, but we have voice situation, Sometimes it's only one characteristic and behavioral changes, okay? So, uh, tardive dyskinesia. In the case of patient taking these medications that give them extra pyramidal reaction, okay? Tardive dyskinesia, give me one medication. <laughs> yes. What else? You study the, the psychiatric medication, right? Yes. Aloperidol is another one. Aloperidol is another one that is giving you extra pyramidal reaction. 
and it's tradable using what? Benadryl. Defend hydromine in what? The same thing. Okay, Korea, like the side ham, for example, and hunting the side ham Korea, you, you cannot see this nowadays, at least in uh, industrialized countries, because happens more in these patients with the um, um, rheumatic fever without uh, control, Sidenham Korea. Okay. Apetosis, very slow movement. Okay, associated with the spasticity. This can be seen in children with cerebral palsy, for example. Okay. The face and distal extremities. You see the hands are in this way, okay? Autotosis, the movement and not control. Bless you. Dystonia, torticolis, um, you know, essentially, or atonia or hypertonia, you know. Gay coordination. Okay, we need to check for, ask for the balance, the failing, the fa how many times you're failing, okay? Falling, sorry. Legs that uh, simply give away or uh, you cannot move from your seat to the position of standing by hopping. You cannot hop, for example. Medications, we need to as for everything, because if we have a gait problem with this patient, and this patient is a senior patient, what we can do? Modify the medication. Okay? Suggest the use of assistive device to this patient and show the patient how to use it. Past medical history. Any trauma? any tumor, any surgery, any accident, any condition, any abnormalities at the time you need, you, you born, you know? Plumbism is intoxication with lead, okay? Encephalitis anytime, anytime meningitis, do you remember what type of meningitis or encephalitis you had? Cardiovascular, any cardiovascular problem, any circulatory problem, okay? Any neurologic disorder, any effects after a surgery, you, you were not, I mean, you recovered but not totally recovered from this condition, this accident, this uh, encephalitis, this meningitis, any neurological device you have that did you need, I mean, do you have any uh, shunt, for example? <laughs> uh, in the case of the gate, because I'm forgetting things, in the case of the gate, uh, in certain conditions, in, in male patients, they are the, the one, you know, altering with this. They, uh, they have uh, hydrocephalus. 
and uh, they walk with the upper leg. You know, they pee constantly because there is in the ponds, you know, we have a control for urination and they have a damage over there because the compression too much, cerebrospinal fluid, and as well, the way they talk, you cannot understand. We're gonna go, it's, it's one of the things that you, you can see in your patient as well, okay? So, hereditary disease, epilepsy, seizure, headaches, Alzheimer's, learning disorders, weakness, metabolic disorder, any uh, diabetes, any problem with the kidneys, any problem with the liver. Uh, Wilson disease, hereditary disease, for example, it's a lot. <laughs> or, or epilepsy, uh, your job. What is your dominant side? You see, when we start checking or doing the, the examination of the neurological part of, of the examination, we need to start or thinking about asking the patient what is your dominant side. Why? Because many things that you can do with one hand, maybe you are not able, you're not going to be able to do it with the other hand. So, and certain conditions happens more that start in the dominant side, like uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. The affected side normally is the first one, is the dominant side. So, sleeping and eating patterns, we need to ask about this. The ability to take care of yourself. Use of alcohol and drugs social history, sleeping pattern, eating patterns, okay? Any sexual transmitted infection, any recent travel, very important. Why is that? Recent travel, who tell me? Hey? Endemic areas that uh, maybe they, people are not vaccinated for meningococcus, semi -menin meningitis, for example. And then you can go and touch it because portal of entry, respiratory system. Okay, what else? Any recent travels to El Capitan, or this is in Yosemite, right. for the one that like hiking, I love hiking, El Capitan, or the, como se llama, Lagrimas de Cristo, Lagrimas Christi Mountains, over there in California, or what is the other, the Rocky Mountain, beautiful. Okay? Guys, we're gonna continue next week. Okay, for tomorrow, but not tomorrow. Tomorrow is neuro, neuromedicine. But for Wednesday, I place already in the drive and I send you by email the, 
the rubric for the physical exam. I highly suggest you to go and watch the videos that are in the in the syllabus. Okay? But anyways, we're gonna do these techniques that we have over there. And I'm gonna demonstrate this as always, and we're gonna practice. And we will have a case in the um, in the same hospital as well. Okay? So we don't have TBL, but we have a lot of job to do <laughs> and learning. Okay? Are we good? Yes. Beautiful. Have a nice day. Thank you.